0: Welcome to Perimenopology, where we explore and converse about what it means to transition out of the young, hot, fertile, and fuckable box that our society labels as most worthy when you are socialized as a woman. Around here, we're all about body literacy and talking about the topics that society tells us are unimportant or inappropriate. I'm Michelle Kappler, reproductive acupuncturist, Chinese medicine practitioner, and master feminist life coach, and you've got episode number 31. Hello, hello, my friend. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of Perimenopology. Before I get into today's episode, I want to make a quick announcement. This episode is brought to you by my upcoming free online class called How to Have Amazing Sex in Perimenopause and Beyond. It's happening June 7th at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time on Zoom. The reason why I'm offering this class is because although most of my clinical patients and coaching clients come to see me for other concerns, sex almost always comes up and is an area that they would like to improve in their lives. People tell me things like, I'm not enjoying it anymore, or I can't have sex in the ways that I used to because it's uncomfortable, or my body has changed and so is my sex life. So I'm going to talk about it because I think that we should. During this class, I'm going to be answering some questions like what are the physical and hormonal changes in perimenopause that might affect your sex life? What are some of our socialized beliefs as people socialized as women that might get in the way of us enjoying sex during this time? What are some options for treatments when it comes to perimenopausal symptoms that are impacting sex? How can we think about sex differently so we can fully enjoy ourselves? And of course, there'll be lots of time for questions and coaching. If this sounds like a class that you would like to attend, you can head to michellecapler.com forward slash sex to save your spot. Again, that's michellecapler.com forward slash S-E-X. And again, the date is Wednesday, June 7th at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. We're meeting on Zoom and there's no cost to attend. And just a brief note that this class is only open to women and folks who cycle and menstruate. Again, the link to sign up is michellecapler.com forward slash sex. And I'll put that link in the show notes so you can click and find it easily. So let's talk about breaking unhealthy habits. I want to first start by making it very clear that the title for today's episode is a little bit of clickbait, and I apologize for that. I actually want to talk more about gently changing the habits that are creating results in your life that you don't want. I like to think about it a little bit differently than breaking habits. Breaking unhealthy habits is a concept that I'm honestly not on board with. It's an idea that comes from healthism and diet culture and is ultimately rooted in patriarchy and perfectionism. And it's part of some pretty harsh self-talk that a lot of people socialized as women have inside their brains on a constant basis. It conjures this feeling of punishment or deprivation, which is actually not where I'm coming from. And I'm going to get into that a little bit more later. First, as always, I want to start with a definition of exactly what we're talking about today so we can be on the same page. And it begins with renaming this idea of unhealthy habits. When I was doing my certification at the Life Coach School, we were taught about this concept called buffering. And I think it's actually a pretty good and mostly neutral way to talk about what I want to talk about. Buffering is defined as any behavior that you do habitually that's creating a net negative result in your life. And it's also usually done to avoid feeling negative emotions. So some examples of buffering would be Eating when you're not actually hungry because you want to avoid feeling stress and ending up with negative health consequences as a result, or scrolling social media for hours in the evening because you want to avoid feeling boredom and end up not being able to get things done that you want to be able to get done. Or binging on Netflix because you will want to avoid feeling anxiety and staying up way too late and not getting enough sleep and consequently feeling really tired and crappy the next day. Or overworking because you want to avoid that feeling of inadequacy that you put upon yourself because your to-do list is endless at work and missing out on quality time with your partner or your family. Buffering can even be quote-unquote positive behaviors like over-exercising or over-tidying or over-organizing. Any behavior that you habitually do that's creating negative or unwanted consequences in your life is buffering. And I also want to quickly note that there might be times in your life when you intentionally choose to engage in buffering behavior kind of like a coping mechanism. You might decide that you like your reasons for wanting to do these behaviors and buffer, and you're okay with the consequences. And that's a valid choice. So to give you an example, if let's say a loved one dies, it might not be an appropriate time to try to change your social media scrolling habit. It might be something that you intentionally choose to be okay with at the time, and that's a valid choice. So before I get into some approaches you can take to change whatever your buffering habit might be, I want to tell you about one of my previous buffering habits, and that was overdrinking. If you're not already aware, I have a whole other podcast on my relationship with alcohol. It's called the Alcohol Freedom Podcast, and I basically tell my story of how I went from being a person who drank a bottle of wine almost every single night to a person who drinks very occasionally. And I'm talking maybe a few times a year on special occasions, I'll have one or two drinks. And I'll put the link for that podcast in the show notes so you can check it out if you want to. I spent many years drinking a lot of wine every night because I didn't want to experience my own anxiety. So I don't identify as an alcoholic. I don't identify as somebody who has an addiction to alcohol. And it wasn't so bad that I was going to work drunk or parenting irresponsibly or driving drunk. My family wasn't staging interventions. In fact, at the time, if you had asked the people who love me, if I had a drinking problem, they honestly probably would have said no, but I was getting negative results in my life as a result of my drinking There were health consequences with my sleep and my digestion and my skin, and there were negative consequences in my marriage because I wasn't showing up as myself. I was just showing up as this sloppy, numbed out, drunk version of myself, which wasn't conducive to good communication and problem solving in my partnership. And then there was all of this shame and the worsening of my anxiety because I wasn't actually dealing with my problems. I was just pouring glasses of wine every night to make all of that go away. And I came to a place where the pain and difficulty of staying the same became greater than the discomfort of changing. So I changed the habit and now my life is better than I ever could have imagined. And I don't necessarily want to get into the process of exactly how I did it in this episode because we might be here for hours, but I've linked up the podcast in the show notes. So if you're curious to learn more or know about it in detail, I would highly recommend checking that out. But the principles of habit change that I want to talk about today are the same, no matter what you're buffering with. And really, at the end of the day, if you want to change one of these habits, it comes down to figuring out how to experience and process your negative feelings. So as an introduction today, I want to offer my three biggest tips for beginning this process. And my first one is focus on changing one thing at a time. Something that I commonly see when I'm talking with my coaching clients about habit change, as well as talking about health of my clinical patients, is this urge and desire to change everything all at once. And this often sounds something like, okay, I'm going to start on Monday or the first day of the next month or January for New Year's. And I'm going to only eat clean foods and do yoga every day and meditate every night before bed and drink eight glasses of water and limit myself to one hour of social media per day and take all of my supplements and do a gratitude journal and stick to my calendar and only work the hours that I decide to work ahead of time. And it's going to be amazing. And I'm going to feel good and happy all the time. And... I'm here to tell you, my friend, that if this is your plan, you're setting yourself up for failure. It is a perfectionist fantasy to think that you can make all of these habit changes at once and not get overwhelmed. And what does that overwhelm lead to? For most people, it leads to inaction or more buffering. So I always recommend choosing one habit and changing one at a time. Choosing one thing to work to change and then Don't allow yourself to engage in self-talk that says you're doing it wrong, or you should be doing more, or better, or greater. One thing at a time is enough, so let it be enough. And the interesting thing is that once you learn the skills that are required in order to stop buffering with whatever you're buffering with, the other habits will often naturally work themselves out. And at the very least, you'll learn to be conscious of what you're doing and feel less like you're doing these things against your own will. So the second tip I have for you today that will help with habit change is that you want to play the long game. Habit change is not a linear process, and most of the time, practicing little things and little changes over time end up giving you the results that you want long term. If you expect overnight results, it could and likely will be a discouraging process, Oftentimes, we make these changes because we want to see more positive results in our lives and fewer negative consequences. But just because you begin to make these changes doesn't mean that you will see those results right away. I've had clients confide in me about their frustration with how long the process of change is taking. And the frustration is understandable. We exist in a culture that sells us quick fixes and crash diets and magic solutions. We want change instantly without having to feel the discomfort of learning a new skill. But if we know from the beginning that the process will likely be pretty uncomfortable and will take longer than we would like, we are setting ourselves up with realistic expectations. When I stopped drinking, I experienced that pull and urge for a glass of wine while I was cooking dinner for months after. It was frustrating that my mind was made up. I wanted to make this change. I was doing it. It was happening. I liked my reasons for making that choice. And I still got urges every night for months, and it didn't feel like they were getting less frequently, or it didn't feel like they were getting less in intensity. And that was super frustrating. And instead of making it mean that I was somehow failing, I thought of the long game. I saw the slow nature of the unfolding of the process as something that was helping me build strength and resilience. Did I fully embrace that frustration sometimes? Of course, I fully allowed myself to feel it. But because I knew that it would be uncomfortable and would probably take longer than I would like to see changes start to happen, I was able to remind myself a little more quickly each time that it was all part of the process. The last piece of advice I want to leave you with today, and this is really the key to success in changing any buffering habit that you might want to change. So if you don't listen to anything else I say today, this is the part where I want you to listen up. You need to figure out what feeling you are going to need to learn to feel in order to not do the thing that you don't want to do. So the answer might be obvious to some of you. And for some, you might be so used to numbing out with whatever habit you're doing that you aren't really sure. And you're not really connected with that part of yourself. And just to say, there might be more than one feeling you're avoiding. For me, it was mostly my anxiety that I didn't want to feel, but it was also irritability. And it was also boredom sometimes. And the key to not drinking every night for me was learning to feel and experience my anxiety and irritability and boredom. So the question that I want you to ask yourself is, what do I need to learn how to feel in order to not use my buffer? Many of you will know the answer, but if you don't, the most surefire way to answer this question for yourself is to stop doing the thing and just seeing what happens, just seeing what comes up. In fact, sometimes just by imagining not being able to do the thing, the answer will become clear to you. So if you think about coming home after a long day at work and not drinking wine, what comes up? If you think about not scrolling social media after the kids go to bed, what comes up? When you think about not checking your work email immediately when you wake up in the morning before you even get out of bed, what uncomfortable feelings do you imagine that you would need to experience? And when the answer begins to come up, I would like to invite you to approach this with curiosity and self-compassion. Buffering in and of itself is a very human thing that we do, so let's not label ourselves as wrong for it. It is possible to hold two opposing perspectives simultaneously. That's the beautiful thing about human brains. They are incredibly complex. You can know and want to change what you're doing, but also acknowledge that it makes sense that you would be doing it. So how does all of this feel for you? Is there a habit that you want to try changing? If you're unsure of how to move forward with it, I can help. I help my coaching clients with habit change all the time. So if you would like one-on-one coaching help with changing your habit, I'm happy to offer you a free consultation. We get on Zoom for 60 minutes and you tell me all about your goals and what you would like help with. And then I tell you all about what it would look like to coach with me one-on-one to book your free consultation, you can go to the show notes and click the link there, or you can go to michellecapula.com and click on work with me on the overhead menu. That's going to be it for me this week. Until next time, thanks for listening. If you are loving what you're learning in the podcast and you want to take this work to the next level, let's work together. If you are a resident of Ontario, Canada, we can work together in a clinical setting, both virtually or in person, to help you find a unique and customized treatment plan to alleviate your perimenopausal symptoms and get you the relief you deserve using Chinese medicine. Or if you're looking for support with body image, confidence, advocating for yourself and seeking treatment, or just generally making your life as awesome as possible through this transition and beyond, I can help you anywhere in the world through coaching. To learn more about your options for working with me, head to MichelleKaplar.com and click on Work With Me on the overhead menu. I can't wait to talk with you.